Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88. Right across the Faith FM network, right across Australia, wherever you are, this is National Radio, breakfast show, positively different radio in the morning with the double L team filling in for Mon while she's away, Lyle and... Lawson. Great to have you as a part of the show. As always, Lawson, what are you thankful for this morning? Uh, I'm, I'm just thankful to be here, to be alive, you know, that Lyle yeah. hasn't killed me and <laughs> just doing, having a good time, you know, living Mate. my best life. I'm thankful for sore legs after you go to the gym, you know, and, you know, pump some weights and just life is good, man. God is good. I'm thankful life for is my, good. my rattle gun. Oh, yeah. I think that's better. I think that trumps yours. Yeah, 100%. Like, <laughs> rattle gun. I mean, what would life be without a rattle gun? I, I like, very slow. I have. Very slow and sad. R- like, rattle guns are slow and sad? No, without rattle oh, guns. Oh, yeah, 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 of course. Absolutely. Life is meaningless without a rattle gun. I have two of them. <laughs> Big claim. <laughs> Lyle Southwell. <laughs> of course, us idiots here on the radio this morning are bringing you the delayed broadcast. So we already know what's coming up in today's show. So let us tell you a little bit about it. A little bit, a little bit, a little bit about it. We have Mon coming through with her Monrog, her radio log. Uh, for a uh, a section to give us an update on everything that is taking place in Kenya, some really heartbreaking stories that she's going to share this morning. So, mm. have a box of tissues ready. Uh, then we're going to have Davis Dorjic coming in for his usual uh, presentation on uh, living with depression. Uh, then we're going to have an amazing Bible study. We're going to talk about uh, before that. We're going to talk about uh, recycling. Has the should, we're going to talk about bin chickens, but mm, not ibis, not ibises, humans who call Human themselves bin chickens, who call themselves bin chickens. And I, I think this is just the best thing ever. We're going to mm-hmm. talk about how much uh, the bottle recycling project in New South Wales has been able to accomplish. Mm. Um, best best thing ever. But anyway. Uh, more on that coming up. And then, of course, we're going to get stuck into the controversial subject of the 144,000. And you will want to stay tuned for that because I'm going to say some things about the 144,000 that not everyone is going to agree with. So keep our phone, keep our phone number ready to go. Anyway, that and so much more back after this.
Welcome back, everybody. You were just listening to Millennium Prayer by Cliff, Cliff Richard here on Faith FM. And we have come to that part of the day where we do a monrog. Mon is joining us live from Kenya in Africa. Mon, welcome to your own show. <laughs> You're too kind, Lyle. It's been a while. <laughs> I feel like I don't own this thing anymore. It's been turned over to the L show. The, the Double L Show, we've been having lots of fun while you've been away. Hey, Mon, give us an update. We want to hear uh, everything that's been happening over the last couple of days. We, we had some technical issues at our end, and so we weren't able to get in contact yesterday. But uh, you must you must have been yeah, out I think on we're two doing a bit of a lag here with the connection, but hopefully you guys can still hear me. Uh, so we're now down on day four of the mission trip. So day one, I think I told you about, we were out in just these random fields out in the middle of nowhere, several hours drive from the city. Uh, but the second day was quite different, actually. We were actually in um, a village. And it's not quite what you'd think of, um, you know, when you think of an African village. It is, it is still sort of like mud huts. There's also tin huts. But they're not, they're not quite these like little standalone thatched huts that you sort of imagine. Um, they're often in sort of long rectangular buildings and then there's different doors and like anything from three to eight families will live in these uh, sort of, I want to say it's no longer than an, an average house in Australia, but they're long huts compared to what you'd usually think of in Africa. So we were in the middle of a village um, at a Seventh-day Adventist church. It's a really cool um, Adventist church building. Um, some German missionaries had come and just thrown the whole thing up in, in one month um, using stone. It's not like limestone. It's not nice or anything. It's, it's very, very rugged, very basic. It kind of looks like a building site, but it was quite um, sophisticated for what you'd usually see here. And uh, we actually hosted the, the clinic out of this church. And so people came um, just from the village. They, they started hearing about the people here. The grapevine here is so fast. I can't believe how fast the grapevine works in Kenya. But they started hearing, um, you know, what was happening. Usually the first few members, um, people that come to get treatment are actually church members. And when the church members, you know, they have their medication or they've been given a pair of glasses or the kid has, you know, a ball or a toy that it's been given, and they go back into the village and they say, look, look, what, you know, look what we've just got, look what, what we've had done. And then they're like, oh, I want that as well. And so they will go out and, uh, and come see us. And it's, it's purely by word of mouth at that point. And before you know it, we have hundreds of people lining up. Wow, like as in how many people are you able to then see in one day? If you've got hundreds of them lining up, you must have many that you turn away at the end of the day? Yeah, so it really depends on how many nurses and doctors we have. So we have our core Australian team that is there every day and we have two um, local Kenyan nurses, uh, Adventist Christian nurses that are always with us um, and these Kenyan nurses have organised all the local aspects like the locations um, and then this this roving kaleidoscope of Kenyan staff that help us out. So basically it's it's church members or health professionals who could maybe donate a day here or there and so depending on who we get is how much service we can provide. So some days we might actually have an extra two nurses on hand and we can churn through patients a lot faster and we can see up to like 500 patients a day but sometimes like yesterday we only had two nurses the two regular nurses and so we were only able to see about 200 and um before you ask i do want to say like it, the work that that um myself and the other australians are doing is not so much that it's hard work it's just that it's heartbreaking work um, oh. i made the mistake on, on the second day of going outside after we shut down 
So at some point in the evening, we do actually have to lock all the doors. And so we lock all the doors and then we just continue seeing the patients that are inside in the waiting room. And um, I didn't realise, but once they've locked the doors, it's a bad idea to go outside. Um, but I decided to go outside and take some pictures. And uh, I almost didn't make it back inside. I certainly didn't make it back inside with dry eyes because there was these people, like just, just hundreds of people just outside waiting to be seen. And, and they try and press their sick babies into your arms and they're like begging you for help. And they, you know, they have these prescriptions that they've been given that, that they can't afford to fill um, from their local doctors. And they're asking me, do you have this medication? Do you have this medication? Can you help me? You know, I have an ulcer. I have a, a lump. I have a growth. And so, and I, like I personally, I'm not the boss. And so I can't make that decision. Um, <clears throat> and unfortunately, the reality is at some point we do have to start turning people away because otherwise we could be there all day and all night and all the next day and all the next night. There's just no end to it. So, so this is obviously really um, heartbreaking work. This is somewhere where you've travelled there and spent the night there rather than at your normal base? Sorry, say it again. You've spent the night um, out in the field somewhere or, or was this back at your normal headquarters? Yeah, so most of the places we're able to, we stay at the same hotel every night and in the morning we just jump in the van and we drive, uh, you know, sometimes it's only half an hour, sometimes it's several hours to these locations, these remote locations, because the further away from the city you get, the more poverty there is. Um, but we do have, in the next week coming up, we do have a location that is so far away we will be spending two or three nights out there. Um, but yeah, we do have to shut the door so we can actually get back to our hotel at a reasonable hour and go to sleep and actually get back at a safe hour. So mm, mm. it's, and it's heartbreaking to turn people down. It really is. And, um, yeah, but just to quickly tell you some stories, you know, we, yes, had, a, we yes, had a 14 year old girl, we had a 14 year old girl turn up, um, and she had a, a lump a tumor in one of her breasts and so one of her breasts was just a normal you know normal small size for a 14 year old girl and the other one was so engorged and swollen it was actually hanging down to her waist and um just with this tumor yeah and so um sorry i have a little local kid here he's trying to give me flowers it's very endearing (laughs) i might have to put a picture up on our social media of my little friend here is trying to distract me from my interview (laughs) Um, yeah she's bringing flowers in her hair she's very cute um but yeah so with this little girl like you know we can't do anything um at the at the point there because we don't have a surgery set up but what we do is we get these people's details and then at the end of the mission trip um we actually have sort them into order of urgency and then any money we have left over we can then um uh pay to have these people do their surgery so this girl like her situation is quite urgent especially because we don't know whether or not the uh, the tumor is benign um uh, deadly and so she'll probably be bumped to the top of the list and often these often these operations aren't very expensive they can be anything from like 60 to a thousand dollars which for an australian is cheap for an operation oh, um, yeah. but that's an australian dollars by the way but for here it's very expensive and so we, that's why we can't just say okay this person needs something let's just pay for it straight away we do have to wait till the end of the month because we have such a long list by the time we get there all these people who need urgent operations and the thing i just want to tell you guys is you know for those of you who donated through the kenyahealth.org website um this is what a lot of the money is going to um so we just needed the set amount to buy the medication 
And anything after that is to pay for people's operations. So if people still wanted to donate, they're more than welcome to donate because all that money that's going to be donated from now on would just be paying for people's operations. So we have, you know, yesterday we also had a little boy. He had a hernia. It was actually popping out the front of his stomach. Um, so he looked like he had a extremely severe outy belly button, but it was sticking out. I want to say maybe about five centimeters, this huge lump on his belly. Ooh. And it's so sad because like his, his mum didn't even know there was anything you could do for it. So this mm-hmm. is another kid that's ended up on our list. And he was only like about, you know, five or seven years old, just the happiest kid. We were watching him running around playing the whole time. But then when it came to examine him, you know, we lift up his shirt and he had this huge growth. And we're like, oh, my goodness. So, yeah, these are the kind of cases that we're dealing with. Um, and what, was he in a lot yeah, of sorry, pain? I, we're pretty, I, don't, I don't know. Like, I, I think for some, to some extent that the people here, like, because there's nothing they can really do about the pain, they sort of just learn to live with it. Like, like I just said, like his mum thought it was normal and didn't know that there was, not that she thought it was normal, but she didn't know that there was anything you could do about it. Yeah. And so he just learned to live with it. And so, he, you know, he was smiling and stuff um, and playing, and, um, which was surprising when we found out his diagnosis. We're like, how is he so happy when he has, you know, this massive lump on his tummy? So, yeah, but they're, they're really great kids. We've been handing out balls and caps and colouring in books. They'd never seen colouring in books before. They'd never seen hula hoops before. They'd never seen a frisbee before. Oh, and they lost their little minds when they saw the frisbee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ah, that's fantastic, Mon. Thank you so much for joining us and giving us an update. And uh, that website, once again, kenyahealth.org.au, is that right? Yes, kenyahealth.org. Kenyahealth.org. So go there and donate because they are doing amazing work in Africa right now. And Mon is giving you first-hand accounts of, you know, a lot of what is taking place and some of the heartbreak of, you know, issues that are relatively easy to deal with, you know, here in Australia, but mm. uh, people just simply have no access to. Mon, we're going to have to get going. Thank you so much for joining us again this morning. Oh, La, I just want to quickly remind you, I will be putting pictures up on our Facebook and our Instagram, but if you want to see a lot more pictures, just go to the Kenya Health Facebook because um, every day the, the group leaders are uploading pictures there. So if you want to see what's happening, go to Kenya Health Facebook and, uh, and be delighted by videos and pictures there. Fantastic. Thank you so much, so much, Mon. We've got to keep moving with the show. Uh, this is In the Suite by Dolly Parton. There's a land that is fairer than day And by faith we can see For the Father waits over the way To prepare us a dwelling place there In the sweet by and by We shall meet on that beautiful shore In the sweet We shall sing on that beautiful shore The melodious songs of the blessed 
back everybody that was Dolly Parton with In The Sweet by and by here on Faith FM and we are into the more serious oh we haven't done our clue for you. how have we missed doing our clue I'll ask you that question Lyle that was my fault <laughs> too distracted talking to Africa yep <laughs> Oops. All right. So for all those of you who were hanging out for the first clue for the quiz, here it is coming now. Get ready to call one 843 is the number. Here we go. This is a Who Am I quiz. And the first clue is, Jesus told the Pharisees and the teachers of the law that they were responsible for all the prophets' bloodshed from me to Zechariah. Ooh. Ooh, Lyle's thinking. He's thinking yeah, really I'm hard. I'm just going to take a stab. He's thinking really hard, and no, of course no, no, he's, no, no, he's, no, no, he's no, incorrect. No, 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 that's not. That's that's not right. <laughs> uh, I'll go back a bit further. Okay, yeah, Lyle's got it. So <laughs> sorry, no double price. You know, what? I'm going to give him another clue just because we missed. <laughs> yeah, the first well, one. that's right. Give Here us, we go. So and the, also and also, I'm not supposed to actually write two things down. Yeah, I was just. It was just that. As I was writing the first one down, I actually realized the answer. Yeah. But anyway. All right. Next clue. Who yes. am I? I am listed as a man of faith in Hebrews 11. There you go. So there you go. You've got a, you've got a Bible narrows reference. It, narrows it down a little bit. Narrows you, it down You know that their blood was shed. <laughs> Do a bit of research. Pull over the side of the road. Stop what you're doing and uh, pull out your Bible and you'll have the answer. 1-800-324-843 is the number to call. All right, Lyle, what's our, what's our news for I'm today? going to talk what's about chickens today. Big chickens. Bin chickens. Bin chickens. Oh, bin I chickens. The, the ibis. No, not the ibis. There's, a, there's another bird called a bin chicken? No, there's not, not birds. These are people. Okay, so there's a bunch of, a bunch of there's a, there's a section a sector within the community that have labelled themselves bin chickens. Okay, um, they have uh, risen up in New South Wales over the last fifteen months. 
Uh-huh. And this is a group of people, and I've got uh, two friends who are both bin chickens, um, and they are cashing in on the uh, bottle recycling program. Mm-hmm. So we talked about this yesterday. We talked about this yesterday. Now, I wanted to give you some stats from New South Wales. Okay. Um, how many bottles and you know plastic containers and so forth do you think have been recycled through the program here in New South Wales in the last 15 months? Okay, so I have a bit of an estimate from Oregon because Oregon was $2 billion, So I'm going to say roughly the same. Two billion. But Oregon's got like ten times the population. Yeah, but of I, New South Wales. I just think the New South Wales is really great. You know, okay. and I, I just yeah. think I just feel like we can do it. Right. So in the last fifteen months, with our minuscule population compared to Oregon, <laughs> we have recycled one point three billion through yeah, the see? through the recycling. Told program. you, told you so. So we are <laughs> punching way above our body weight, <laughs> and that means that one point three million dollars have been paid out to people across this state. Mm-hmm. Uh, for all kinds of things, and so this has become a, uh, a lucrative venture for children, you know, chasing some pocket money, uh, for elderly people paying mm. off bills, and particularly for homeless people. Yeah, wow. There's been a, become mm. a great uh, industry for homeless people, and what you find is that they're not just you know going around and raiding bins, but they are also uh, you know picking up bottles wherever they can, you know, on the side of the road and so forth. Mm. I know that um, when the new system came in, and I went on my morning walk, I started taking plastic bags with me on my morning walk. Yeah, and uh, picking up bottles, and there was this big section of bottles down near the bus stop, you know, way down near the end of the road in the paddock behind it, and I was eyeing that off. I'm like, yeah, there's like twenty bucks worth of bottles in that paddock, and I came back one day, and they were all gone. And so it is. A, a, it's a great system, I think, to uh, to clean up Australia, to clean mm. up our act, to encourage recycling, and to provide an income uh, for people who you know. Because the only only person who's going to go around you know at, at one o'clock in the morning raiding people's bins are going to be people who really need that money. Mm. You know, I don't really need that money, so I don't go and do it. Yeah, but. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting to uh, to look at uh, you know to, to look at the bin chickens and see how they're operating. They find that about one in ten people get really stingy mm-hmm. um, and will tell them, "Don't touch my bin." Yeah, and, and I think that is just you know that's 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 you know the bin. It's out there. It's on the curb. You're not trespassing. You know, if they're yeah. coming onto your property, yeah, that's that's crossing a line. But if you're not trespassing, it's on the side of the road. Who cares? So long and as nobody's making recycled. a mess and it's being recycled. You know, if give us a break here. <laughs> Um, but anyway, people get pressures about all kinds of things in today's world. If you've got a thought on this, give us a call. You know what our number is? 1-800-324-843. would love to hear your opinion. How would you feel if you saw somebody raiding your um, either rubbish bin or recycling bin looking for bottles to mm. sell? I've got a thought on this, actually. Uh, if you, if uh, you don't have the time to take them in, be nice. Let yeah. somebody else take them in. I just think that um, I don't know how economically viable this is, but they should just increase the price of how much you get for the bottle, and then that's good for everyone. Okay, so a bin chicken, <laughs> a bin chicken makes between forty and eighty dollars a day. Wow, that's so you know you you you, you provide that's really decent for a, for a uh, for a homeless person that's buying you food. It's putting you know forty dollars a day. You're going to eat. Yeah, yeah, you're going to eat good. Forty dollars um, a day. Yeah, that's. <coughs> well, there you go, man. Okay, so the New South Wales Contractors and Recyclers Association, Tony Curry, has come out very strongly against it. He's super upset by the program and believes mm-hmm. that the whole program should be trashed. How come? 
because he initially, well, his first thing is it's cutting into profits, but then he says, oh, but they're not using gloves and they don't have hepatitis and tetanus shots. We don't know whether they do or not. Uh. So the real thing, of course, is that it's cutting into his cutting profits. Cutting into profits. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but in my mind, this is a this is just a fantastic opportunity mm-hmm. for um, you know particularly homeless people and and uh, you know I've got a good friend who is a homeless person and uh, this is his only source of income uh, and uh, and this is how he lives. This is how he has lived for the last fifteen months. Um, is uh, you know going around at night collecting bottles, recycling it, mm. and I think that. Um, I think that that's just actually a great thing, you know. Um, now, on top of that, here's some other uh, stats that go along with it. There has been a 44% reduction in bottles going into landfill. Well, that, that's so, so statistic 44, we really need to look at, you know. Yeah, that's, that's, this is an awesome stat. So people were, well, in, in the past, people weren't using their recycling bin. Mm. They're just throwing them into the, into the landfill bin and, and not caring. Now they get money for it. Everything has changed. So that's significant. Yeah. There has been a 70% increase in drink bottle recycling. Mm. Okay, so what that means then is you've got 25% less roadside litter of bottles. Yeah. So, you know, this is just, this is a, just win, a no-brainer. It is everyone. Just a, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a win-win all the way around. And, you know, we always look at... Uh, you know, uh, creative ways of helping out um, our homeless people. Mm. And this is one of the best of them because rather than just giving them a handout, you know, we give them an opportunity where they can go and uh, uh, and, and be involved in something positive, mm. which is recycling, mm. uh, be involved with cleaning up Australia and getting some money from it. Yeah. Like... In all senses of the word, it's a win-win. Yeah, I'm just totally supportive of the whole thing. But, uh, yeah, maybe there's something I'm missing. I don't get it. These people are opposed to it. All these people are like, don't touch the rubbish in my bin. It is rubbish, and you have thrown it away. Let somebody else have it. What is what are they wrong saying? with you? Go one, and get man, one man's trash is another man's treasure. Yes. So, man. Anyway, in other news... Um, a Danish man, uh, Dennis Christensen, has just been jailed for six years in Russia for the crime of being a Jehovah's Witness. Oh, here we go. So this is the first. There are yeah. uh, more than 100 cases before courts at the moment, uh, criminal criminal cases um, against Jehovah's Witnesses in Russia right now. Mm-hmm. And this is, of course, because um, they have been branded as a dangerous foreign sect that erodes state institutions and traditional values. Mm. Um, They have been uh, described as a fifth column opposing annexation of uh, Crimea and the Ukraine and all this kind of stuff. And, of course, um, Putin has been well bought off by the Orthodox Church, Mm -hmm. uh, which is fabulously wealthy Mm. and able to buy whatever political power they want. And, of course, they are threatened by, you know, other religions that are coming in. Anyway, so keep these people in prayers. This is Vocal Union. I am dwelling on a mountain Where the golden sunlight gleams In a land whose wondrous beauty Far exceeds my fondest dreams is not this the land of Beulah? 
Blessed, blessed land of light, where the flowers bloom forever and the sun is always bright. I am drinking at the fountain where I ever would abide, for I've taken. There's no thirsting for life's treasures, nor adorning rich and gay. For I've found a richer treasure, one that fadeth not away. For I've found a richer treasure, one that fadeth. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8, or 88 right across Australia. And joining us in the studio, as usual, is our weekly guest, Pastor David Stojic. Uh, good morning, David. It is good to be with you and uh, to be able to present this uh, a new subject once again. <laughs> great, great to be here. Great to be with our listeners and all those who, who uh, listen to our our show our program just the other day i had i had somebody from wa okay west australia called me and said oh I switched on the radio and I heard you speak. Uh, that's, that's a nice, nice kind of... Uh, there you go. They were up early in the morning because this goes to air um, quite early in the morning in Western Australia. Breakfast show arrives at, uh, I think, 4 o'clock in the morning or something. Right. Or yeah, different time zone over there. But, uh, David, last week we were talking about narcissism and how to recognize it, what it's like to live with someone who is a narcissist. And we said that narcissism is not classified as a mental illness, but rather a personality disorder. That's right. Right. Uh, yes. Uh, and some some experts actually say that it's more like a character flow, you know. <laughs> so so it requires different different treatment. It's rather difficult to actually to, to treat it because narcissists believe they don't have a problem. Everybody else, but they don't. So so uh, <laughs> DSM manual, uh, which is the the so called psychiatric bible, defines it. But doesn't offer any suggestions about how this personality disorder can be treated. Uh, in the very heart of this problem is vanity, selfishness, lack of empathy, grandiosity, sense of entitlement, pride, etc., etc. Mm. And we spoke about how um, that you know that that God through His Word, um, the Bible, offers hope to. Uh, narcissists and also to people who are living with somebody who is a narcissist. And, and, and sometimes it's more, more that way because narcissists uh, really, as you said, don't see that they have a problem. And uh, But uh, in a nutshell, Lyle, uh, all people are narcissists. Uh, when we think about narcissism as sin of selfishness, you know, we have those tendencies uh, and pride and 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 uh, all sorts of things that come with the, in that package. Uh, so all people could be said to be narcissists uh, until they either learn how to cover it 
and get along in the world or until they recognize their own flesh, as the Bible calls it, and, and repent of their sin. And the Lord helps people to grow out of narcissism when they receive Jesus as their Savior. I love this text in 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. So God recreates. Uh, the believer is empowered to begin loving others as himself. As mm-hmm. Christ said, you know, and the greatest commandment is to, to love God with all, all one's all being, all heart, and our neighbors, ourselves. So only when God touches our life, we are able to to actually uh, quit being a narcissist and become less selfish, less prideful, and so on and so on. Absolutely. Thank God for that. Praise God. Now, our topic for discussion uh, this morning is depression or specifically living with depression. So my first question is, can people be depressed without even knowing it? Okay, that's a great question. For the sake maybe of, of our listeners who are listening to a pastor, two pastors talking, and they may be saying, why are these pastors talking about narcissism or depression or living yes, with depression? Yes, yes, yes. You know, so, so I just would like to say that... that, that uh, um, this is a passion of mine to, to yeah. talk about about the the brain, the human brain. And, and also, you're not just a pastor, David. Yes. You're also a counselor. That's right. Fully qualified counselor. That's right. And, and Lyle... And I you're doing a PhD in this, so, you know. <laughs> I am. Uh, but another reason why I believe this kind of program, this kind of show is very meaningful. I hope so. I would like to hear our, maybe our listeners um, giving us some feedback on that. But but another reason is I have recently um, come across a very interesting research or a survey uh, that was done uh, through National Christian, uh, through, through uh, National Church Life Survey. And, and about 900 leaders across Australia, church leaders, uh, have been uh, asked, what do they see as the biggest problem, both within their community and also within the wider community? And they have identified mental health issues as one of the most prominent issues uh, that they are facing and that, that our community is facing. So we are hopefully barking, as they say, at the right tree, you know, when we're talking about brain. Brain is the uh, is the is, a, is the organ, if we can call it, through which we communicate with our Creator, so uh, to which we exercise our spirituality as well. So mm. you can see the connection. I Absolutely. Hope. And okay. so, so, the, so the question is: Can people be depressed and and not even know it? Well, well, the answer is, if I could say and give a hopefully politically correct answer, but also very truthful, that yes and no. If yeah, people, that's very politically correct. If, if, if people are grieving, this is, this is this is David trying to avoid my question. Uh, no, 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 no. But but say for instance, if people are grieving a loss of some sort, and loss many times is the trigger for depression, they may be going through a, a situational depression. It's called situational depression. They feel immense sadness, emptiness, or even anger for the time being, and they get. After that, they get back to normal after a while. In this case, I think they could be also depressed without knowing it. You know, they, they are thinking they're going through sadness or something, but they don't recognize the symptoms. But if people are clinically depressed, then I believe they know that something is very wrong with them. Uh, and uh, so that, that's, that's the... So clinical depression as opposed to situation. situational depression. So I understand situational depression. That's when something tragic happens in yes. your life yes. and you are sad about that. 
Clinical depression, how is that different? Uh, that's, that's more like a more long-term thing? Or? That's right. It's, it's, it's a long-term. It just uh, People just don't, don't come out of it uh, by themselves. They need, they need, uh, they need uh, professional help. And, uh, and how does a person know? If, well, how do we know if somebody's clinically depressed as opposed well, to... Well, that, that's a great question. Situation. And I, I, I hope that, that uh, you know, our listeners will, will pay attention to this. Uh, to this. If... if um, if say somebody suspects that something is wrong with them and they go to a doctor, they go, uh, and, and the doctor uses, or psychologists also use that, psychiatrists use that, they use this DSM and counselors, DSM manual, the, the Diagnostic Statistical Manual, uh, fifth edition. And, and this, uh, manual actually gives us all the all the uh, so to say symptoms uh, of of depression list them in kind of nine categories of, of of things and if people actually in the same two weeks say last two weeks for instance the same two weeks uh, period have experienced five out of nine of those conditions that I'm going to kind of now uh, go through then we would say that they have uh, clinical depression. Mm. So let's let me let me just very quickly go through these nine nine uh, uh, conditions. But remember, five we need at least five so for, for somebody to be clinically depressed. Uh, so these are deep sadness or feeling of emptiness, feeling down or hopeless, uh, decreased interest or pleasure in nearly all activities. Uh, decrease or increase, decrease or increase in appetite, uh, or unusually loss, or unusual loss or gain in weight. Usually, more or, or, or less than five percent. Sleep habits have changed. Sleeping more or less than usual. Um, others, not just uh, people who are actually, uh, or even ourselves, noticing that our physical movements or speech have been slower than normal. Or instead that uh, that you have more agitation or irritation with yourself or others, you become a bit more agitated, experiencing fatigue or loss of energy, feeling tired very often, experiencing feelings of worthlessness, inappropriate guilt, or feeling that we are a failure, uh, uh, decrease in ability to think or concentrate on common tasks or difficulty making good decisions, and the last the ninth point in this manual is thinking about death often or considering harming yourself or others. And when people come to that stage, they really, really need mm, need help. Mm, mm, yeah. So to be clinically depressed, uh, one needs to experience consistently for at least two weeks, five out of those nine symptoms. And so if uh, if you're listening to the show today and you've heard that uh, and, and you've you know heard those nine symptoms that David has worked through just there and you're starting to get up towards five or if you are over five then and you haven't Definitely found help yet somebody. you need to go and see some help and we're going to talk about some further on in the show some places where you can get help right. um, David is here in the Newcastle area so Newcastle Hunter uh, Port Stephens area Central Coast area if you're anywhere within that region then get in contact with us however right now we'll go to this song break and we'll be back with more uh, straight after this song. Bought some jeans at Target and ripped apart the pocket on Sunday. Hallelujah. Payslip on the carpet and burnt it in the market on Monday. Hallelujah. It's not my business 
Grandpa's got lymphoma and fell into a coma on Tuesday. Hallelujah. Couldn't pay the water bill and haven't had a shower since Wednesday. Hallelujah. On the freeway, I hit a Ford Focus on Thursday. Hallelujah! Without a car, I couldn't make appointments on Friday. Hallelujah! I lost my job. Hallelujah! It's not my business, she says. I'm sure you got your reasons, so just say hallelujah. I came to church a beggar and found I have a savior, so just say hallelujah. I came to church a beggar and found I have a savior, so just say hallelujah. Welcome back, everybody. I'm here with Davis Dojic, who is a regular weekly presenter on Faith FM, talking today on the subject of depression, living with depression, living with somebody with depression, and specifically we've been talking about clinical depression. Um, so how does it feel to live with somebody who is struggling with depression, David? Oh, that's a great question. Depression affects the frontal lobes of the brain, where our logic, our decision-making, uh, our principles and values, uh, our morality and our spirituality is seated. Uh, so it affects all of these areas, and people who are heavily depressed may start acting in a way that is different from their normal behavior to the point that we may wonder if we still live with the same person. Mm. Uh, depression looks different. It's, I think this is very important to mention. Depression looks different for different people. Uh, so we need to shake off those stock images of the crying person uh, who can't get out of bed in the fetal position. <laughs> so some people might experience intense sadness. Others may feel irritable or anxious or angry. Other um, uh, signs to look for might include loss of interest in activities that were once fun, difficulty making, this, difficulty making decisions, changes in sleeping patterns has been mentioned, uh, loss of energy, feeling of guilt, and even suicidal thoughts. So it's kind of a bit of a recap of those, those um, uh, nine symptoms that we mentioned. Yeah, okay. So if your loved one suffers from depression, um, we need to uh, find out what are some of the things we could do to help them. Um, so what uh, what, are, what kind of things are there that we can do and that we should do if, if okay. someone's really struggling uh, with this? That, that's, again, a, a great question, Lyle, uh, because maybe let's start with things uh, that, that when if, if our loved one uh, suffers from de- depression, we should uh, probably... Um, uh, not do certain things that uh, we should avoid temptations uh, uh, to tell our loved ones to to look on the bright side of life or snap out of it um, um, you know uh, the question is would we say this to a physically injured person uh, mental illness can be difficult to understand uh, what it is like unless somebody has experienced that himself uh, so so those five easy steps so to say uh, <laughs> don't necessarily wor- uh, work uh, we we we, we um, you know we need to, ha- to to have better understanding, and also when we are dealing with with uh, 
with people who are depressed, one thing that we shouldn't do, apart from telling them just snap out of it, you know, look at the brighter side of life, is <laughs> we, we, we must uh, kind of give ourselves a message, don't get discouraged. Overcoming, the, overcoming depression is possible, and it's probable for many people, but it's not, it's not a simple task. It's, yeah, it's, one of those it's a long-run thing. Yeah, and we need to focus some, you know, to throw some energy at it, which can be challenging when energy is... Uh, low. Low. <laughs> yes. Okay. So that's, um, yeah, good advice there. And uh, what can we do for our loved ones if, uh, if they suffer from depression? So we just or, said what we shouldn't do. Let's, yeah, let's, let's look, look at what things we should that, do. that we shouldn't uh, that we should do. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, uh, Lyle, I'm sure when I say this, uh, it will resonate with you and mm-hmm. with, with, with the Christian people. Number one, uh, because we believe in greater power than ourselves. We believe in, in that, that this power God is loving, that he is, is deeply interested in us. This God invites us to actually communicate with Him, to, to open our heart, to, to, uh, to, to unburden, and to present other uh, people before Him in prayer. So, so um, we should pray. Uh, I like, I like the, the Apostle John, uh, John the Beloved, uh, who actually in, in his third letter or epistle, uh, letter to his friend Gaius, uh, pr- prayed this. He says, Dear friend, in third John uh, verse 2, Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you even as your soul is getting along well. So here we have the, the prayer that everything goes well with body and that everything goes well with soul, with our emotions, with our mind, and so on and so on. So prayer. Yeah, and prayer is always a good starting point. I think this is where we uh, we should always kick it off. You know, take it to God. He invites us to pray for the sick. He promises that uh, prayers offered in faith are going to be heard. Yeah, that definitely. Uh, but we shouldn't stop there. <laughs> we shouldn't stop there. Uh, uh, we should try to understand the causes of depression and offer some practical help uh, and and people could be going through some constant stress at work or at school at university uh, you know uh, our children can come home uh, depressed because of bullying that is happening people our spouses could come back home from work depressed because there is harassment or bullying happening uh, so so it could be some loss that our loved one is going through uh, uh, in their life. could be job-related, could be some other area of life related. It could be a medical condition. For example, people could, uh, if, if some of our loved ones have medical conditions such as diabetes, for instance, uh, there is a condition called as diapression because diabetes can actually be a trigger for depression as well. Wow, I never uh, knew that. <laughs> that's right. And uh, they, could be, they could be lacking something in nutrition. Uh, um, it could be uh, the shift work and they're not getting enough sleep and so on and so on. So we need to look whether we can offer some practical help to our loved ones as they're going through through their state of depression. Okay, so but what about if the practical help that we can offer is not enough? What's, where, where do we go to for you know prof- for professional help? I, I like that. This is so we start <laughs> with God, then we do what we can do, That's but true. there is also a point for professionals like yourself to step in. I, I, I love that. And yourself. I believe you're part of the solution as well. Your role very much. Um, that's a very important question. Uh, when people are clinically depressed, as important as it is, our support and our practical help is usually not enough. We need to encourage our loved ones to seek professional help. And, and what is, what help is available? 
So if people go to the, usually people start at the at the GP. Sure. You know, they go to the general practitioner, and then they are referred to 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 uh, to. Uh, uh, mental health workers, psychologists, and so on and so on. But what I actually, when we're talking about what help is 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 available, I just would like to offer, uh, say that people are getting help on a certain model mm-hmm. uh, in 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 our in our uh, in our society. It's a good model. It's called biopsychosocial model. That's uh, a uh, complicated big word. There, it's, David. A compo- <laughs> it's a composite word. So bio, biology, psycho, psychology, social, social support, just blended together. That's so, right. so some smart person somewhere on the line decided that they just blend three words together on this one. That's right. And, and what, it, what it means really is it highlights the complexity of the condition and also outlines that people are getting help at different levels, bio with medication, psycho with counseling, social with family and friends support and caregivers. And also in that model that actually is presented by the Royal um, Australian New Zealand College of Psychiatrists, there's also lifestyle, you know, uh, uh, component, which is food and exercise and so on and so on. Yeah, that's excellent. But I really think it should be called biopsychosocial spiritual. There seems oh, to be something you're, missing here. You're, you're talking in this my model. language. You're talking <laughs> my language. Uh, you know, uh, if we want to be holistic uh, in our approach, we need to have all four dimensions: physical, mental, social, and spiritual. Um, we could say that in this biopsychosocial model, maybe you know, with social support, with caregivers, and so on and so on, uh, that there could be included spiritual model. Model, but it's not it's not clearly stated. So, what I really like is Dr. Neil Nedley's model. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Neil Nedley uh, of of Dr. Nedley's solution. He developed a program called Depression and Anxiety Recovery Program. He includes all of these things in biopsychosocial uh, uh, model, but he also has the very good underlying spiritual component. And you've been teaching this model for like years. That's right, yes. And uh, what, 90% of people who participate in it that's are right. uh, getting, you know, significant improvement, uh, if not, you know, clearing all their symptoms. Exactly. So, so, so in the, in the uh, our community program that we do, uh, we run every year, and you yourself run it as mm-hmm, well. That's right. Uh, not, th- for, not with as much experience as you do, but <laughs> yes, we do. Uh, so up to 90%, you're right, uh, you know, a success rate. So it's a very, very good program. Uh, because it's holistic in its nature. Yeah, best in the world. And um, so we need to tell people when we are running. Yeah, it. that's right. When when are we running it, and uh, how do we get? Because my program is later in the year, but you've got one coming up before mine. We are mine, starting so. very soon. When I say, and I would like to uh, uh, for our listeners to tune in, especially if they're in this area. Uh, we are starting uh, on twenty sixth of February. That's Tuesday evening. So we're making it easier for people in the community to come. Uh, you know, after work uh, from seven to nine in the evening uh, on Tuesday evening, twenty sixth of February they can come for the information session and that information session repeats the following morning Wednesday morning at 27th of February from 10 to 12 and then people can choose if they want to go to this program based on its merits so that's free it's free free to come to the information free session to come for the information session yes fantastic and whereabouts do we go for that? And we go to Warburg Community Centre, which is a suburb of Newcastle. Okay, so Warburg Community Centre, be there on Tuesday the 26th or Wednesday the 27th in the morning. So it's Tuesday 26th at 7pm, Wednesday at 10am. Thank you so much, David. Look forward to you. welcoming you back again next week. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. 
It's easier said than done. But there's a program called Forgive to Live, designed to help us all improve our lives and discover the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in at the beginning with God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in at the beginning with God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with And the word was with God, and the word was with God. 